CNN has published an article about everyday words and phrases that might be misconstrued as racist by CNN. The one-time leader in cable news and current punchline to the old joke, what starts with C and ends with N and is dishonest, issued the article in the hopes of filling the space between two other articles. One entitled, I hate Trump so much I think I gave myself a hernia, and the other, a public service featurette on how to tell the difference between Jim Acosta and a lawn gnome. The article starts off by pointing out the tragic link to slavery in the phrase, master bedroom. <laughs> yes, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, Clavin, you incorrigible rapscallion. We know you regard CNN as a steaming pile of CNN, but that's no reason to make up stories that are even stupider than the stories on CNN. But no, this is absolutely true. The article says of the term master bedroom, quote, and this is a real quote, while it's unclear whether the term is rooted in American slavery on plantations, it evokes that history, unquote. Now you may laugh while rolling over and over on the floor, clutching your stomach and shouting, Ma, come in here and see how stupid CNN is. But who can deny that when one thinks of the phrase master bedroom, you can't help but imagine the miserable rows of enslaved bedrooms singing bedroom spirituals as they labor tirelessly, tirelessly in the bedroom fields. CNN also cites the terms blacklist and whitelist, saying in another real quote, Though the origins of those terms don't appear to be directly connected to race, some argue that they reinforce notions that black equals bad and white equals good, unquote. After reading the phrase, some argue, we at The Daily Wire actually went in search of someone who would make this argument. The hunt ended at a small patch of grass outside the CNN building where we encountered a lawn gnome. Or, or possibly Jim Acosta. Trigger warning, I'm Andrew Claven. This is The Andrew Claven Show. I feel hunky-dunky, life is tickety-boo. Birds are winging, also singing, hunky-dunky-dee-doo. Ship-shaped, ipsy-topsy, the world is a zing It's a wonderful day, hurrah, hooray, it makes me want to sing. Oh, hurrah, hooray. All right, we're back laughing our way through the fall of the republic. Uh, please go on the YouTube channel and subscribe to Andrew Claven if you put a comment there. And we think the comment is, you know, at least above the level of idiocy that is the usual content of the show. We will include it to lift us, our class. Here's one from AR Drone. Actually, this is actually a report from the scene. He said, I did, as the rhetorically skilled bald man instructed. And <laughs> And I subscribed to the YouTube channel. As I clicked the subscribe button, I heard an ecstatic woo-yeah yell and simultaneously had the awareness that angels had come down from on high to anoint me with everlasting wisdom. I had peace and tranquility, the likes of which I had never experienced, and I was overflowing with prosperity. I can't guarantee the result for anyone else, but you should try subscribing. Actually, we do guarantee that result. That is an exact report. All right, what's the big ideas brought to you today by the Benham Brothers? Learn how to own a business without it owning you. Get a 15% discount on the Benham Brothers new course, Expert Ownership, at BenhamBrothers.com slash talent. Great guys. You should check them out. Because we here at The Andrew Clavin Show give you tomorrow's news today, we sometimes have to go back and give you yesterday's news to remind you that it was today's, if you see what I mean. 
And if you do see what I mean, I hope you'll explain it to me. For a long time, I've spoken to you about a news media trick that we'll call the Katrina effect. The news media has become so corrupt and dishonest during the presidency of Donald Trump that we might forget how corrupt and dishonest it was under the presidency of George W. Bush. But we shouldn't, because during the W administration, just like now, Everything W said was a scandal. Every assertion he made was a lie. Every mistake he made was a tragedy. And because none of that was true, no one paid any attention at first. And then came Hurricane Katrina. The hurricane flooded New Orleans and destroyed some poor black neighborhoods, an event that had nothing whatsoever to do with George W. Bush. It was a catastrophe largely caused first by the hurricane, but also by 100 years of Democrat corruption, which had diverted federal funds meant for infrastructure into the pockets of Democrat politicians. But the news media managed to fill the airwaves with so much hysteria and panic, fake stories of cannibalism and murder, all of which they blamed on W. Finally, their years of blaming Bush for everything took hold in the public's mind. It was like lighting a match in a room full of gas, and I do mean gas. The same is exactly true now. The exact same thing is happening now. Everything Trump has done up to this moment has been a scandal in the press. His words have been taken out of context to make him sound racist. Normal political shenanigans he's done has been criminalized. Remember, even when he killed that murdering terrorist scumbag, Abu Bakr al-Baghdadi, the press mourned this guy as an austere religious scholar and declared that Trump has led us to the brink of war. Then there was no war. They just forgot it and moved on to the next scandal, the color of his tie or some malaria medicine he was touting or whatever. Now there is a genuine pandemic crisis, which Trump had nothing to do with. He's done he has had nothing to do with this. His administration has had the usual miscommunications and foul ups and also many, many successes that the left tried to turn into scandals as well. OK. But the hard work of lying that the press has done all these years has finally paid off, and people are blaming Trump for what's not his fault. It's the Katrina effect. The press, meanwhile, is pushing Biden, a brain-dead puppet of the violent, racist far left, down this country's throat, and they're using this Katrina effect to get what they want. And if they succeed, this nation formerly known as the United States of America will become just one more colony in the empire of lies. All right. You know, people sometimes ask me if I really love our sponsors, and I really do, and especially this one, ZipRecruiter, and I'll tell you why. Here, here's why, okay? ZipRecruiter is for if you're an employer and you're looking to uh, hire somebody or if you're looking to get hired, it will help bring you guys together. Here's a story like that took place during this Chinese flu lockdown uh, for Matson Resources. They needed to hire a seasoned senior Citrix administrator to provide IT support. That's not an easy job to fill. So they turned to ZipRecruiter and ZipRecruiter's powerful matching technology finds people with the right skills and experience for the job you want. And in four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day, one day. And that's how Matson Resources found Peter Alcantara. Jr. Peter was laid off during the COVID-19 and needed to find another IT job quickly to continue paying his mortgage and his bills. He posted his resume on ZipRecruiter. ZipRecruiter identified him as a great match for the role at Matson Resources. They interviewed and hired Peter in less than three weeks. ZipRecruiter helped Peter find the right job and they helped Matson find the right person for a hard to fill role fast. That's why we love him. 
That's what they do. Great job. See how ZipRecruiter can help. It's not just because they keep us from making more mistakes like Knowles. See how ZipRecruiter can help you hire. Try it now for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash Clavin. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash Clavin. One word of warning. Do not hire anybody if he doesn't know how to spell Clavin, which is K-L-A-V-A-N. There are no E's. I just make it look like this. Sebastian Gorka will be with us. He is back in the administration. We're going to find out if he does have now the nuclear codes. and if he'll, he, he just doesn't have to tell us the whole code, just like four numbers, and then we'll guess the rest. Uh, you know, last week I was doing Shapiro's show. I was filling in for Ben, and I had Kellyanne and Conway on, and I told her uh, that Trump should fire Brad Parscale <laughs> and get more people in who think outside the box, and that is what Trump do- does. So we are obviously secretly running uh, the Trump campaign. And I want to talk about the fact that I think the Trump campaign is just now organizing and getting started, and they're starting it on the push for law and order. There has been really now for six weeks, there has been riots ongoing in some cities. I mean, if you're in a place where that didn't happen, uh, great. But if you're in Portland, this is all that's been going on. Uh, and the and the authorities, the people who have, were elected to run these cities and run these states have been doing nothing as if it were somehow democratic for a group of thugs to take over portions of these cities and portions of these states and run them themselves. And they keep saying, well, that's what democracy looks like. No, it's not. That's what the mob looks like. That's what violence looks like. And Trump has really, uh, you know, if you read the newspaper, papers or however you get your news, uh, pills probably, probably take a news pill. But if you take a news pill right now, you will not be hearing anything about what Trump has been doing, but he has been cracking down in a law and order way, and he is about to make a big law and order move. We don't know what it is yet, but he's about to make this big move. And if you want to watch how the news media uses this to turn reality, good policy into scandal, just keep watching because you'll see it all. And what I want to examine today is like how effective this is, because you know, it really is an amazing thing. This is something I've seen before. This, the riots, the, uh, the dysfunction in the country, the dislike for the country, the dislike of people telling you that this country is essentially bad when obviously this country is filled with people, so it's essentially sinful and broken, but it's, it is an essentially great country based on great ideas that has produced more freedom, more wealth, more power than any country ever on the face of the earth. It's really a wonderful, wonderful place. There's nobody trying to swim from here to Cuba. There's no one trying to escape into Russia or into China, except for college professors who are taking our information and leaving uh, the country with it. But no one's doing that. Everybody's trying to get in. That's why the left is constantly saying, we have to open the borders. We have to have no borders. We have to have no security because everybody is trying to get in. This is an essentially a great country. And I've seen this before. And the question that's being asked now, and it's a fair question, it's a fair question. In the intervening time since the 60s, uh, has, has the culture culture so poisoned the mind of Americans that they now hate themselves so much that they'll no longer defend their own country from attack from within. Some of the things that you may have heard about, you may not, they've been two, I think in the last two days, maybe three days, there've been two federal um, executions, two executions on the federal level. Uh, This is the first, I think, in 17 years. It's been a long time. One was a white supremacist uh, who had, um, he had uh, executed, uh, he had murdered three people, I think, uh, he wiped out a family. Uh, the other was a guy who had uh, kidnapped and destroyed a 16-year-old girl. They were both put to death. And I love I loved one of the lawyers, this is after like 20 years, they committed the crimes 20 years ago, and one of the lawyers said, this is a, a rush to ju- judgment. But the other thing that happened is, 
the Justice Department made new moves on MS-13. Now, do you remember MS-13? This is a savage, savage gang, right, uh, that has... Uh, come out of mostly out of El Salvador. These are people the Democrats let in through our poorest borders. They didn't do anything. Neither did Republicans to stop people from coming in. And these are a, a brutal, brutal gang. And now the Justice Department has charged an alleged leader, a guy named Melgar Diaz. Uh, they have charged him with terrorism, and they're asking the death penalty uh, for other for other uh, MS-13 people. Now here's Bill Barr describing this organization and why it's different than others. This is an incredibly violent organization but it doesn't make a lot of money compared to other drug dealing gangs. And, and William Barr, the attorney general, explains why. MS-13 is somewhat unique in this sense. They have the street savagery that you would see in a, in a gang. Uh, it is not driven by commercial interests the way, for example, the mafia traditionally was. It's about honor of being the most savage, bloodthirsty person you can be and building up a reputation as a killer. So this is in some ways is a death cult. And then they use the terror that they cause by their savagery to extort. And they've gotten increasingly into human trafficking and now narcotics trafficking. So I just I just want to point out how this is filtering into the public mind. I, I couldn't find this story. The Washington Post covered it. The Washington Post covered it. But I couldn't find the story. Now, I want to remind you, I think it was two years ago, Trump called these people animals. He said that this is this gang is a gang of animals, which may be unfair to animals. But Nancy Pelosi thought it was unfair to MS-13. Here's what Nancy Pelosi said at the time. When the president of the United States says about undocumented immigrants, these aren't people. These are animals. You have to wonder, does he not believe in the spark of divinity, the dignity and worth of every person? These are not people. These are animals. The president of the United States. Every day that you think you've seen it all, along comes another manifestation of why their policies are so inhumane. Now, you might think, well, nobody could be stupid enough to believe that uh, besides a Democrat. But, of course, since the press is all Democrats, they touted this. They basically turned this into some kind of controversy. I mean, here's Nancy Pelosi, like, like you know, this kind of desiccated, soulless Paul who'll say anything to get a political advantage uh, for her policies attacking Trump for calling MS-13 animals. I mean, that, that really did happen. This is just like the Washington Post saying that this terrorist was an austere religious scholar. And so this is the stuff that's been pumped in uh, to, to this uh, society and to the minds of America all this time it's been going on. Okay, so now, now what's happening? Now we have uh, all these um, incredible things that are happening in our cities, right? I talked about Portland. Uh, in Portland, they have been rioting literally for six weeks. Trump has sent in federal troops to defend federal buildings, okay? It's sent in federal troops to defend federal buildings. One protester saw a tear gas canister came out, come at him, kicked it back toward the next, toward the police, toward the federal police. And the next one, I don't know if it was a canister or some kind of canister, smacked the guy in the head uh, and he had to go to the hospital. And that became the problem. That became the scandal. So here is Ted Wheeler, the mayor of Portland and uh, the, um, the governor of the state. Uh, here, here's their reaction to this. And they're attacking Trump. They're attacking Trump and the federal government and saying the federal troops need to go. I want to make it very clear so that there's no confusion. The serious injuries 
sustained by Donovan LaBella at the hands of a federal officer were unacceptable. I don't believe that President Trump uh, ordering troops to the streets in Portland is the solution to the challenges we're facing. And I would ask Portlanders to not take the bait. So so the problem is Trump, right? And remember, these federal troops are in there defending federal buildings that the Portland police are not defending. That's why they're there. And they're saying, oh, get these people out of here. So here's Trump's response at this thing uh, about MS-13, at this press conference with Barr about MS-13. Here's what Trump had to say about what's coming down the pike next week. We don't have details, but this is obviously going to be a linchpin of his campaign. They've been run very poorly, these cities, whether it's Seattle, where we were getting ready to go in and they decided to go in, and that's good. Uh, Minneapolis, where we had the National Guard go in, and as soon as they did that, we straightened that mess out. They should have been able to do it locally with their police. Their police are good. They were told not to do anything. Or many other cases, we're doing a great job in Portland. Portland uh, was very rough, and they called us in, and we did a good job, to put it mildly. Many people in jail right now. Uh, but we have other cities that are out of control. They're like war zones. And if the city isn't going to straighten it out of local politicians, or in this case, I don't say this for political reasons, they're all Democrats. They're liberal, left-wing Democrats. And it's almost like they think this is going to be this way forever. <laughs> it, it is like that. It is like that. And they think, and they really, I mean, they think that this is somehow acceptable from people who were elected to run the city. They were, these protesters weren't elected to run the city. This thing about mostly uh, peaceful violence, the mostly peaceful violence that's been going on, really reminds me of a guy who says, well, we have a mostly peaceful marriage. I only beat my wife, you know, once or twice a year. So it's mostly peaceful. It's mostly peaceful. I mean, it's ridiculous, right? Violence wipes out everything else. It wipes out all the peaceful. It wipes out everything else, and they're holding the city hostage. So Brian Williams on MSNBC, the disgraced guy who is now is punishment for his disgrace. They didn't know how badly to punish him. So at first they fired him. They thought, now that's not disgracing him enough. A guy who lies as much as Brian Williams has really needs to be disgraced. So they put him on MSNBC. And what he did was he ran clips of George Wallace, the famous racist governor, the uh, Democrat, uh, they, they ran, he ran clips of George Wallace saying law and order and then played them with Trump saying law and order as if law and order were inherently racist. Now, this is the thing that they have been pushing. The left has been pushing this since the 60s, but it didn't used to be the news media. See, it didn't used to be governors. It didn't used to be mayors pushing this. And this is why I think it's fair to ask the question. In the 60s, when Richard Nixon ran on law, law and order, he won by a landslide the second time. He won a huge, and the Trump and the press had to come up with Watergate, basically, to get rid of him. But the question is now, has this pollution, this cultural pollution that I've been complaining about and yelling about for all these years, has this so affected the American mind that they are willing to sit and let this happen? Here's Trump's ad about Biden and how what he's doing about uh, the police. The radical left-wing mob's agenda? Take over our cities, defund the police, pressure more towns to follow, and Joe Biden stands with them. Cutting police funding. Yes, absolutely. Eliminating cash bail, letting criminals back on the street, violent crime exploding, innocent children fatally shot. Who will be there to answer the call when your children aren't safe? I'm Donald J. Trump, and I approve this message. That's going to be the campaign, I think. 
And we're going to see whether or not this resonates with a nation that has been taught for 60 years to despise itself on racial grounds. And that's what I want to really talk about and really focus on. But first, let us talk about something much more pleasant, Gabby Insurance. I use this website because I wanted to test it out. It's so easy and it's really amazing because it's actually an honest product. Here's what it is, right? You want, you need car insurance. You need homeowner's insurance. You're paying a certain amount every month. Now you can go on Gabby and see about getting a lower rate for the exact same coverage you already have. Now, here's two things. First of all, if they can't help you, they'll just say it. No, you've got the best deal you get. Plus, they're not going to take the information that you give them and they're not going to sell it to people. So you won't suddenly get this influx of ads. Oh, no, I didn't get cheaper insurance and I'm getting these influx of ads. No, they will only help you if they can help you. They will tell you. All you do is just link your current insurance account and in about two minutes, you'll be able to see quotes for the exact same coverage you currently have and they will tell you whether you can get better prices. Gabby customers save $825 per year on average, each customer. If they can't find you savings like they did for me, they'll let you know so you can relax knowing you have the best rate out there. It's totally free to check your rate and there's no obligation. Take two minutes right now to see how much you can save on your car and homeowner's insurance. Go to Gabby.com slash Clavin. That's G-A-B-I. G-A-B-I dot com slash Clavin. Gabby.com slash Clavin. I know what you're saying. You're saying anybody can spell Gabby. It's four letters. G-A-B-I. But how? Oh, how? Please. How do you spell Clavin? It's K L A. <laughs> there are no E's in Clavin, folks. There just, there just aren't. I just do what I can. I cannot find them. Uh, so here's something that was put out by the Smithsonian National Museum of African American History and Culture about whiteness. Now, I, I have a lot to say about this, and I, I want to make my position very clear, all right? I believe that racism is wrong. I believe that everybody has tribalism in his heart that sometimes is expressed as racism in the same way every man has lust in his heart, every woman has envy in her heart. We all have sins in our hearts, but we don't act on them. We know that they're there. We know we speak to God uh, and God knows that they're there and he knows that our uh, pretenses are just pretenses. Our sanctimony is just sanctimony. He knows when we're pointing at other people, uh, we're just trying to turn God's eyes away from ourselves because God knows what's in our hearts. We all know we have these things in our hearts. Once you get to that assumption, you can only treat people according to the way they behave. That's it. That's it. We all have it. You're not exempt from racism if your skin color is darker than mine. You're not exempt from racism no matter who you are, if you've been oppressed. And, you know, one of, the devil doesn't care who does the hating as long as the hating gets done. So if racism from white people has made you racist against white people, you have essentially joined the pool of hatred and the devil do not care. He just doesn't care. Okay? So that's my position. That is why... I am an idea colonialist. I believe that be the best ideas should colonize every culture. They came from white people, great. They came from British people, terrific. Good for the British, give them a little, one of those little plastic trophies, best culture ever, and take their ideas. We take them anyway. We take those ideas anyway. I'm working on a computer that was made by, invented by white males. I'm on the internet, invented by Al Gore. You couldn't get a whiter male than that, right? I'm, I use cars, invented by white males. Air conditioning, white males. All those ideas, I use them because they're good ideas. I don't care who invented them except to say, well done. And thanks. I am an idea colonialist. And by the way, I think that this is what's happening. The people who are pushing this race hatred that this that we're getting from the Smithsonian, the Smithsonian National Museum of African American History and Culture is pushing racism. They're pushing it 
because of ideas they get from white British males, ideas of freedom, ideas of justice, ideas of equality that came out of that culture to our culture and now have become part of their culture because they're here. That's it. It's the ideas. It ain't the color of the person who did it because that's racism. So here's what this uh, this flyer says. I don't know. It's their cl- their course, basically, on whiteness. Whiteness and white racialized identity refer to the way that white people, their customs, culture, and beliefs operate as the standard by which all other groups are compared. Whiteness is also the core at the core of understanding race in America. Whiteness in the North. <laughs> Can you imagine just switching this over? You know, blackness is, the, you know, I just, if I, if, if I was talking about blackness now, I would just have to like take out my teeth. <laughs> blackness, you know, but instead it's whiteness and the normalization of white racial identity throughout America's history have created a culture where non-white persons are seen as inferior or abnormal. Okay. Now in order, this is like putting on a pair of glasses so you don't even know what you're looking at. In order for this to be true, in order for this to be true, what you have to say is that the ideas that these people are pushing, which are American ideas, they're British Anglo-American ideas, ideas of justice, ideas of racial equality, a Christian idea, also, you know, perpetrated by white males, the ideas of uh, equal justice before the law, all of those ideas are, are bad. They're bad, except they're good. They're pushing those ideas because they're good, but they're not mentioning the fact that those two are white male British ideas, right? So they're saying that these are the things that have been normalized. So what is it they complain about? Well, let's, let's take a look at what this evil white culture is, okay? What does it include? Rugged individualism. The individual is the primary unit, self-reliance, independence and autonomy, highly valued, rewarded. Individuals assumed to be in control of their environment. You get what you deserve. Okay, so that's whiteness. That's the evil idea of whiteness. Now, I look at the black family now, which has been decimated by Democrat policies because they were paid, essentially, to have children out of wedlock. They were warned this was going to happen by their fellow Democrats. So they, the Democrats said this is going to destroy the black family. Didn't matter because the feminists were in charge and said the, black, the family doesn't matter. Fathers don't matter. What are we talking about? A woman needs a man like a fish needs a bicycle. Don't even worry about it. Now, more black children are born out of wedlock than during slavery days when Democrats were actually selling families to different places to break up the family. They finally succeeded through the great society policies, right? This is incredibly destructive. So now they're saying, well, that family thing, that family thing, it's just whiteness. It's just whiteness. You got to understand. See, you're you're like a fish. They keep saying this. You're like a fish swimming in water. You don't even see the water you're swimming in. This family stuff, this family stuff is just whiteness. They might as well just go in seriously. The the uh, Smithsonian African American Museum might as well just go in and poison the water in black neighborhoods. This is the most destructive, vicious, toxic thing you could possibly say to people who need one thing more than they need anything else, which is fathers. They need intact families. They haven't got them. But that's just whiteness. That's just whiteness. Here's more whiteness. Emphasis on scientific method. Objective. I'm sorry. This is, this is pitiful. I mean, it's breaking, it's breaking my heart at some level, but it's also morbidly hilarious. Objective, rational, linear thinking, you evil white people, rational thinking. And by the way, that's only white males. A joke. Objective, rational, linear thinking, cause and effect relationships. <laughs> that's whiteness with believing that things have a cause and effect, quantitative 
emphasis, right? Okay, so that's really bad, this rational, objective thinking. You know, if somebody says, you know, you're not doing that right. You know, when you put when you put the wheels on a bicycle, you want to put both wheels on one side. You don't want to put one wheel on one uh, above and another wheel. This is why they keep attacking science and STEM. They're saying STEM has to be gotten rid of because things don't work if you don't do them through rational, linear thinking. Listen, rational, linear thinking is, is something that has been universal and simply has risen to great levels in European culture as the as the Christian culture, the culture of Christendom led to science and into scientific reasoning. It's a wonderful gift, this thing, this science and technology, everything that this is being promoted on a computer that wouldn't exist without objective, rational, linear thinking. So what they're saying to their to, to black people, they're saying you can't participate in this. This is white culture. It's like telling a kid he shouldn't go to school because that's what white people did. Really, again, they might might just they might just as well go into these uh, societies and poison the water. And again, I've said this a million times, but I got to repeat it. These are our citizens. These are our brothers and sister citizens. These are you know they're, they're, I don't give a rat's about the color of their skin. And I know that they tell you that's a racist thing to say. By the way, that's a racist thing to say that you don't care about the color of their skin. I don't care if it's a racist thing to say. That's how racist I am. I am so racist. I do not care about the color of their skin. I want them to go to school. I want them to have intact families. I want them to use and learn objective linear reasoning. If that comes from Britain, if it comes from ancient Greece. I don't care. It's good. It is good. That's the thing we're talking about. It's not white and black. It's good and bad, useful and not useful, holy and not holy. Those are the things that really matter. What else? Uh, the Protestant work ethic. You white people, you white people disgust me with your Protestant work ethic. This is coming out of the Smithsonian Institute. This is coming out of the Smithsonian. The Protestant work ethic is whiteness. Hard, <laughs> hard work is the key to success. Work before play. You, uh, you disgust me, you white people. If you didn't meet your goals, you didn't work hard enough. No, no, no. If you didn't meet your goals, it's the white man's fault. That's that's how what you do. That's how you do it. This is what they're selling people. They're literally selling people and telling people that you should not feel this way. That you, this is if you're a white person, you can feel this way. It's it's fine for you to feel this way, but you don't push it too far. Don't, you know, don't push it too far. Now, of course, anything, I suppose, including the work ethic, can be pushed too far. But, but, status, power and authority, wealth equals worth. I, I don't know if that's white culture. I'm not sure. Your job is who you are. Ah, they're just making that up. Respect authority. If it's really, I mean, this is the country that invented liberty. This is the country that, that turned liberty into a real thing. And they're saying that it respects authority. Eh, Religion, Christianity is the norm. Well, Christianity is the norm. That's just true. But it's more than that. Christianity is true. <laughs> this is the truth. And you know how Christianity is, is true? You know why we know it's true? It's because when you don't do Christianity, you wind up doing the opposite. You don't do Christianity, you wind up doing evil. And that, that, is, that really is true. You can, listen, you can be good by clinging to Christian ideas without believing in Christianity. A lot of people do that. Still, still. You know, if you really turn against Christian norms, you've turned against good. What else? Justice based on English common law, when you could have Sharia. Uh, <laughs> communication, the king's English rules. This is another one that makes me nuts. Teaching children that they don't have to learn the king's English so they can talk uh, in, in black street lingo, and that's going to elevate them. And they see a couple of movie stars, or a couple of athletes do that, and they think, oh boy, I'm going to be like that. That's not the way it works. 
This is poison. This is toxic. And the question is, have enough white people been fed enough guilt that they buy into this destructive philosophy that they are going to stand by and watch their cities burn simply as a way of beating their chest? That's the question before us. And it's one of the big questions this election will show us an answer to. All right. We got Sebastian Gorka coming up. The great Sebastian Gorka coming up. I always love talking to Sebastian. And now he's back in the Trump administration. So we'll talk to him about that. Meanwhile, meanwhile, we're going to have a three second break. And during that break, go get Ben Shapiro's new book, How to Destroy America in Three Easy Steps. The book covers two fundamentally different visions of America that are now on the table. One vision is unifying and finds our unity and shared philosophy, culture, and history. The other, just as we saw just now, disintegrates our country in the name of fundamental change. Disintegrationists also use weapons like cancel culture, deleting or silencing anyone or anything that disagrees with them to build their new world order. How to Destroy America in Three Easy Steps uh, goes on sale Tuesday, July 21st at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific, and Ben will be doing a virtual live signing event on the day of release. With your purchase of a signed copy, you can write in a question which may be read and answered as he signs your book live on the air. You can pre-order your signed copy and write in your question at dailywire.com slash Ben. While you're at dailywire.com, you want to get a reader's pass. It's the cheap way to support this site and to support the news. If you don't like fake news, you can get real news and real honest opinion right here by subscribing for only three bucks a month. It's 99 cents for the first month, then it's three bucks a month. You get access to our mobile app. You receive push notifications for breaking news and special content, as well as join the community of Daily Wire members who are actively commenting and discussing our content with each other. You can even read wonderful articles like my own. Hamilton is the anti- 1619 Project, which really was one of the best articles I've written for The Daily Wire. Mobile ad-free access to all of The Daily Wire news, exclusive op-eds, and all our podcasts just for three bucks a month. Go to dailywire.com slash subscribe. Monsieur Gorka is on his way. The great Dr. Sebastian Gorka is a military and intelligence analyst. He's host of America First on the Salem Radio Network. Sometimes I actually go on that show because I just I just love talking to the guy and he'll never drop by. Uh, he's a former assistant to President Trump. And now he's been tapped to, uh, to be appointed to the National Security Education Board. His latest book is The War for America's Soul. Dr. Gorka, are you there? I can. Oh, I can actually see you. How are you, buddy? It's good to see you. So I'm a monsieur and you're the galactic grandmaster. How does that work out? Come on, Drew. That's not exactly fair. I have to hide in a bunker and you've got some beautiful attic, some wood-lined attic. What's going on here? Listen, you just got your back. You've been appointed to the administration. What I want to know is, do you have the nuclear code? And and just give me a couple of the numbers. You don't have to give me all the numbers. What what is this new job? The the code is CAG. Hey, don't tell anybody, okay? I'll never tell. I'll never tell. What is your new job? What is this? So uh, first things first, a lot of people, the liberals are melting down for all the right reasons, but some of the MAGA crowd are worried too. I'm not going anywhere. My daily show, America First, on the Salem Network, on YouTube, we're going to do that every day for three hours, relax. What the president has done, I'm just so blown away. This, This is who he is, you know. He's such a such a, a thoughtful guy. He's loyal to those who are loyal to him. There's something called the National Security Education Board, which has six presidential appointees, uh, and he's named me as one of the the two new appointees. This is the entity 
that guarantees that the whole U.S. national security sector, whether it's the Pentagon, the intelligence community, whatever it is, they have the right relationships with private institutions, research uh, uh, institutes, uh, think tanks, colleges, and that we get the right support from those private entities to understand our enemies and defeat them as needed. And then also we have certain fellowships where we place people in those institutions to learn the right languages, understand, you know, Chinese national security strategy, whatever it is. So it's a very cool, you know, I spent more than a decade teaching the US military uh, in, in irregular warfare. So it's nice to be back at a different level as a presidential appointee. So thank you, Mr. Trump. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Mr. President. Well, congratulations. That, that really is great. I mean, it, it could have happened to a nicer guy, but the important thing is it didn't. <laughs> <laughs> I don't do nice, okay? I do not do nice. <laughs> so, so, you know, you and I have talked about this over the years, about the fact that Trump came in with sort of this band of irregulars. He came in with a band of guys who were really thinking outside the box and really... Um, saw an opportunity for this president to win when nobody else did. A lot of those people are gone. And I've, I've wondered recently whether that between that and being locked down because of the Chinese flu, whether Trump has, has lost contact with that a little bit, that maybe he's suffering in the polls because he, he's gotten involved with too much Washington thinking. Do you think there's any possibility of that? Let, let me let me map the way I see the last three and a half years as somebody who was an insider and then decided to support the, the Make America Great Again agenda from the outside, and now who's, who's you know, back in both camps now. Uh, I, I call it a, a merry band of insurgents. When we came in the building at senior level, there was a handful of people. It was me, Steve Bannon, maybe about 20 guys and gals who knew why the president won and were loyal to the agenda, not the man, but to the agenda, because this is bigger than one man. But then what happened? We had no bench. I, I, I wrote about this in, in The War for America's Soul. We had no bench, Drew. We, we were the outsiders. We were truly insurgents. And then we come in, and the president has to fill 4,000 political appointments. Well, what's going to happen? Uh, the, the, the vacuum is going to be filled by the, the schlep of the Bush administration, the old Bushies. The, the rhinos, the, the, some of the neocons are going to polish off their CVs. And a, a drug deal was done with Reince Priebus and the GOP. And a lot, of, a lot of people who had nothing to do with MAGA, didn't understand hillbilly elegy, didn't understand 2016, came into positions in the administration. And that's why I left. I was being boxed out. I told the president I can serve you best on the outside. And that's what I did. Now, and Drew, here's the good news. In the last seven weeks, Things have really changed. There's a new guy who's come back in, another guy who was boxed out by the bad guys like General Kelly called John McKenty. He is head of presidential appointments. He's one of the reasons I'm back in working for the administration. The good guys are back. The MAGA OG team is coming back. And we, we have 109 days to fix this because, you know, COVID is being exploited by the Democrats. China is using the, 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 the Wuhan flu as a weapon. But the president, I saw the president, I was in the Oval with him for half an hour yesterday. He's not going anywhere. And he's as fighting fit as he was four years ago. That, well, that's great to hear. I'm really happy to hear that. Do you, do you, does he know 
that there's, there's trouble. I always worry about presidents in their Oval Office being surrounded by smiley, you know, yellow smiley faces telling him everything's great. Uh, but the polls really do look rough right now. And I, I, I'd like to know that he knows that, does he? Well, look, uh, he knows two things. He, he, he knows uh, that, that, you know, we have to bring our A game and that this is far tougher than 2016. Because in 2016, Drew, you know, the left didn't take him seriously. They thought he was a joke. They thought he was a reality TV star, not a billionaire who'd never run for public office before and defeated 16 rhinos on the right <laughs> in the debates. Now they take him deadly seriously, deadly seriously. They understand the threat he represents to their neo-Marxism. Look at what Biden did yesterday. He embraced AOC's Green New Deal. Stalin couldn't get a plan on the paper like AOC's New Deal. Beef is bad. Gasoline engines are bad. I mean, come on, this is insanity. So the president knows. And when it comes to polling, look, you can't take anything for granted. I get it. But two tweets I've saved and I repost regularly. Uh, the New York Times two weeks before the election in 2016 saying Hillary has a 92% chance of winning. And half two weeks or 10 half, minutes. Half, yeah. No, half half on the day of the election saying Hillary Clinton has a 93% chance of winning and Donald Trump has a 6.2, not 6.3, not 6.1, a 6.2% chance of winning. <laughs> Polling is like Victorian phrenology. It is a dead <laughs> science. And the idea that the massive silent majority that propelled this non-politician to the White House in 16 hasn't grown in the last three and a half years, you have to be smoking something and it's not tobacco if you believe that. <laughs> All right. Well, what would you, what would you recommend? You know, I, I, I read in the paper today, I had Henry Olson on. A lot of people got angry because Henry's very glum about this. He's not an anti-Trumper, uh, he, he, but he does believe the polls look very bad. And he said somebody should be double checking uh, Trump's tweets. And today, one of Trump's <laughs> biggest supporters in Dallas said the same thing. Somebody should just go over his tweets. He said, he said, mostly, I love the tweets, but now and again, he goes over the line. What would you suggest? If, you, if, you're, if, the, if Trump said to you, what should I do to turn this around? What would you tell him? <laughs> if anybody says they're a conservative and raises the issue of tweets with me, I rip them a new one. Oh, seriously. 44 million people unemployed because of a Chinese virus that was seeded across the planet by the communist regime. And you're talking to me about tweets? Go to hell. The reason he has 84 million followers on Twitter is a very good reason. This isn't about tweets. This is about you. And I don't know who your guest was. I don't know who these people are complaining. You want to win the election? Do something about it yourself. I stood outside the local precinct in the local primary four weeks ago at the GOP tent to make sure people voted. And our guy crushed it. A one-legged Iraqi war veteran won the primary. Go out there and volunteer. Become part of the solution and don't whine like those snowflake little mama's boys about tweets. <laughs> don't waste my time. We have a republic to save. Get busy. Call out the bastard liars. Call out the propagandists. And I mean face-to-face, -face, not, not just on Twitter. They're taking down statues to Frederick Douglass and you're talking to me about tweets. Get 
a life and get serious. Sorry, Drew. Now, don't 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 beat around the bush. You know, sad by you know. You know, you're just too you're too shy and restrained. I, you know, it's, it's always a problem. I, you know, I'm running out of time, but I want to ask you one quick thing because you were one of the first people, one of the first people to say we got to be paying attention to China, 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 China. Stop right. all this Russian nonsense, all this stuff. Right at this minute, is, has there been any turn, do you think, within the establishment, within this vast, yes. deep state that Trump seems to be fighting all by himself, has there been any turn to, to say, hey, you know what, these they're right about this. This China thing is a genuine threat. Do you think that's changing at all? Has Trump changed that culture? Um, inside, the, you, you don't need to worry about the bureaucracy. Uh, the, 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 the new uh, national security advisor, the new deputy national security advisor, is a sinologist, former Marine, a Matt Pottinger. He, he is on point. He gets it. We just convinced the British. We, we convinced the British to expel Huawei from 5G. That is a sucking chest wound to these communist bastards in Beijing. The, it, the deep state has lost this fight. Now we're seeing the private sector wake up. We're seeing people like Google and Apple think twice. That's the real victory. It's not the deep state that matters on China. It's Beijing Biden. This is the man who got a $1.4 billion deal for his son, Hunter, when he was the vice president and he was the point person for China. The threat to America isn't the deep state when it comes to China. It's the Democrat Party and sleepy, creepy Beijing Joe. <laughs> <laughs> Sebastian Gorka, you are always a breath of fresh air. It's great to talk to you. I hope you'll come to town soon enough and uh, and yes. share a cigar. It is wonder. It it really is, uh, Seb. It's great to see you. And uh, congratulations again. Couldn't happen to a nicer guy, truly. Thank you, Drew. All right, we're out of time, but we will remember have a show tomorrow. I will be back on with a special Friday show, making the Clavenless weekend by my calculations, one day shorter, uh, which gives you some smaller chance, maybe a third more of a chance to survive until Monday. So we will be back again tomorrow. I'm Andrew Clavin. This is The Andrew Clavin Show. Hey, if you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, give us a five-star review and also tell your friends to subscribe too. We're available on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Ben Shapiro Show, The Matt Wall Show, and The Michael Knowles Show. Thanks for listening. The Andrew Clavin Show is produced by Robert Sterling. Executive producer, Jeremy Boring. Technical producer, Austin Stevens. Our supervising producer is Mathis Glover. Assistant director is Pavel Wadowski. Edited by Danny D'Amico. Audio mixed by Robin Fenderson. Hair and makeup, or head and makeup, by Nika Geneva. Animations are by Cynthia Angulo. Production assistants, McKenna Waters and Ryan Love. The Andrew Clavin Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2020. If you prefer facts over feelings, aren't offended by the brutal truth, and you can still laugh at the insanity filling our national news cycle, well, tune in to The Ben Shapiro Show. We'll get a whole lot of that and much more. See you there. Mm-hmm. 